0: Hey everybody, it's your favorite reconstructionist, Eric Brown and Phil Relly, and welcome to episode number 12 of the One and Only Show, bringing you tips and tricks to working vehicle collision cases from the best experts in the industry every Wednesday. Today's topic is, hoo, big tire blowout. So grab your expert angle coffee mug and settle in. Three, two, one, off we go. Every year, traffic crashes claim the lives of over a million people and account for over $500 billion of injuries around the world. A small select group of people from police to attorneys to expert investigators are tasked with getting justice for the victims, protecting the rights of involved parties, and ensuring the story is told accurately and honestly. Unfortunately, we believe that is an impossible task without the right team of experts. If you agree, then keep on listening for actionable tips from leading experts across various industries that you can start taking today to elevate your professional game. If you disagree, then tune in anyway and let us convince you with our ideas. We are Eric Brown and Phil Rally, and this is Crash Tech, The Expert Angle. Welcome back to the show, guys. Crash Tech, The Expert Angle podcast is brought to you by Crash Tech Reconstruction Services. If you have an accident that you need answers for or you think the other side has it wrong, Crash Tech can help. Connect with us at www.crashtechreconstruction.com to submit your case for a free review guys i am super excited this is show number two and so if you didn't meet him the first time we are here with the leading expert in the world when it comes to tires not you phil Uh, when it comes to tires (laughs) phil's the leading expert in other things but you know (laughs) the tire biz not so uh but no and so guys, TJ's intro is on the other show. And so I really, yeah. really don't want to spend a bunch of time going back over it again because it is it, it honestly it, I could do a whole 30 minute show just on his qualification playing
1: it back and listening to it.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, so um, that's episode number 10 dive back in there and uh, listen to TJ's qualifications and then come back and listen to this show. But anyway, so TJ, welcome back. Thanks for being with us again. Thanks for having me again. Absolutely. Absolutely. Glad to be here. And, and so we wanted to continue down this path. So last show on episode 10, we talked about how attorneys know they need a tire expert, what a tire expert is, and just some of that kind of high level stuff. And in, so in this show, uh, especially with the title the Big Summer Blowout, right? Like we, we want to talk <laughs> about some of the blowouts, tire failures. How do we find a, Like, Like, let's actually kind of dive in here a little bit and, and get, get down and gritty, down and dirty, right? So I, I, I kinda wanna, wanna jump off, and, and I, you covered this a little bit on the three main reasons, but I, I wanna recap this because this is really going on the, on the theme for this show. But like you said, there were three main reasons for tire failures. And so can you just recap that for our, for our audience and that way we can kinda set the pace and away we go.
2: Yeah, the most, the most rare reason is workmanship and material, otherwise factory related. Uh, if you think something's factory related, there's almost a 100% chance you're wrong. They just don't get out of the factories anymore. Even if something does happen, they're, they're x-rayed, they look every single tire is touched and examined. They just, it just doesn't happen. It's a fluke. Uh, But that's a big moneymaker if you do find one. So call me
0: (laughs) And again. And so in the last show, too, we offered a bounty for a for an actual manufacturer defect.
2: So, yeah, that triggers a lot of things when if you do find one, I mean, a lot of things. Um, But the other two reasons that tires fail are they cover the vast majority of everything that you would see out on the street. One of them is in service. And that means they didn't maintain the air pressure. They didn't rotate them. They've got the wrong tire and the wrong application. There's a lot of different things for that. And that's usually about half of what we see. The other half of, of what we see is road hazards. And that could be usually impact break or you curb the tire. And sometimes it the tire will fail immediately. And sometimes it fails O- accumulatively over time, and people mistake that with a factory-related issue, which most of the time it is
0: not. So that's going to be like my wife's tires on her van's curb impacts. <laughs> yeah. <Things> like-
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, she's going to listen to the show and I'm going to be sleeping in the basement again. So it's fine. Whatever.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm not pulling her off of you again. I
0: <laughs> right after the whole comment about her bad driving and the uh, engine noise <laughs> oh. inspection show. <laughs> so let me, ask, so I, I got, this is the question I have been dying to ask you ever since you sent me some of the topics we could talk about. Like this one has been burning a, a hole in my soul. Like I'm just, I've been waiting. So here it is. This is my big moment. How much does the type of rim matter in a tire case? Because I'm like, honestly, I have no clue. I have I, I never even thought about it. You never know, even that thought is... About
2: it. That is such a great question. I'd kiss you right on the freaking mouth if you were sitting right here in front of me.
0: (laughs) Folks, I will be back in a couple hours. I got to drive to Tennessee real quick.
2: (laughs) Oh, I've never been asked that, but we train people about that. The RIM, the information on the RIM is imperative to get and obtain. In almost every case we've worked on, none of them, not one, not one time has the investigating officer or the reconstructionist gotten the information off the rim. And in a commercial case, that is so huge to get that information. The rims, even though they may be the proper size and all that, they will have different air pressure ratings and different load carrying capacities. Just because it looks like it's a commercial rim, you could have 10 different categories of load carrying capacities and air pressure ratings on rims on one truck.
0: Wait, wait. So hold on. Wait. So this is my inner geek coming out. And this is what I was afraid of in this show, but I have to ask it. And Phil, I know you're thinking the same thing. So commercial truck tires are 120 PSI. You're telling me that like that might not always be the case because the the rim may the but rim yeah. may the rim may be ninety psi, but what, ti- but what if the tire has a has a rating of one hundred and twenty? Whichever one is
2: lowest in load carrying capacity is what you have to go with is your, with your max load. Really, it okay. doesn't matter how high you can get a tire that will carry seven thousand pounds at one hundred and twenty or eight thousand pounds at one hundred and twenty psi. If the rim will only carry. Six thousand pounds at one hundred and twenty psi. That is where you're maxed out at.
0: Man, I see a whole new reason for Phil to be good oh, man, too is at work.
2: And and, <laughs> and let's talk about not only that the width of the rim because each tire has a recommended approved rim width yeah. that is associated with that tire size and it's also got a rim range. So if you change tires, if you go from a low profile twenty two five to you know a, a twelve R. to a 295 or 310, 305, 22.5, they may require a different rim width than what was originally equipped on that vehicle. There is a publication called the Tire and Rim Association Annual Yearbook. Europe has ETRTO, Japan has JATMA, Australia has theirs. And that is the document that we use to determine not only what rim should have been fitted on that tire that was approved and within a certain range, but also what load that tire would carry at what air pressure. The rim is just as imperative to understanding why a tire failure, failure happened as the tire itself. And it is the most
0: overlooked thing. I I never would have even thought of that ever.
1: And it's funny you say (laughs) that TJ and I'm just my, uh, I guess the inner cop in me is coming out. Now I'm all kinds of pissed off, but uh, (laughs) the, uh, you know, I look at, I look at these, what I call cookie cutter, uh, heavy haul permits, and and you'll see where they'll have, you know, 14,500 on the steer axle and then 22,000 all the way back or 20,000 all the way back. Every axle Real,
0: real quick, folks, let me just sidebar real quick. This is why, Phil handles the commercial truck cases for Crash Tech. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, go ahead. I mean
1: you look at it, you know, because you can't, you know, most states you can't carry more than sixty thousand pounds in a triaxle group under nine foot. So you they'll they'll do cookie cutter and they'll go twenty thousand per axle all the way back two through ten. But listening to what you're saying, you know, you could have a you could have a rim that that, that just isn't technically if you you know twenty thousand you're looking at ten thousand per side. You may be way over the capacity with that. That rim is designed to, to carry. Fill more often than you would believe. And that's something. the reason that we
2: know that right. is that's one Damn. of the things we look for that literally no one else, including guys like you guys. And you guys are smart, but you well, probably— at least I am. No, so
0: I'm, just <laughs> I'm just joking. But,
2: but you never probably thought to look at the rim and see what's stamped on the rim. On a commercial rim, it'll have the size and it'll have max pressure. And it I don't also care. Where's,
0: where's it even stamped at? I don't know that I've ever seen that on a commercial rim.
2: It's usually, on. sometimes it's on the inboard, but sometimes it's on the outboard, and it is stamped clearly. If yeah, it's, it's the painted it's actually, rim, it's almost like a brand.
1: No, yeah, I'm it's right. like a
2: brand into the metal itself. But sometimes they paint over it and you got to scratch the paint off to see it clearly. But it is on there and no one ever looks at that. And then when we show up with the rim information, they're like, holy cow, where did he get who told him about that? And that's some of the things that they don't teach you at the tire industry with your Ph.D. in college or your your. Engineering education at MIT, or even in law enforcement, when you go through law enforcement training, which is horrible for tire training. They train yeah. you on tires. They never mention rims.
0: I mean, we well, talk about great. crack. We talk about cracks and rims, but that's about it. Yeah. No, the, the crack is the least thing you got to worry about. You to no, You know, and, and I'm and I'm really thinking this is like a big deal for me. Just in my mind, as I'm just thinking about this, I'm like, man, think about you know crashes where you're where cornering is involved or especially like a critical speed or something like that. And think about a lot of these guys. So, you know, and we get these cases where you get like the the 17, 18 year old kids, little ricers, you know what I mean? And, and they're, they're the cars. I'm talking about don't send me hate mail. So, uh, you know, it's, I'm saying it's the cars relax. (laughs) So the uh, anyway, (laughs) but like they, they put like all the different rims on it. And so if you change to, a wider rim and a low pro tire that maybe is a little bit wider or not the right size for the rim. If the rim's too wide for the tire, the bead's going to pull the the lip of the tire, the the bead of the tire out. And if the rim's too skinny, the tire's going to be like mushrooming out. What kind of effects is that going to have when this kid tries to corner at high speeds?
2: Both of those destroy vehicle handling. Uh, In one case where actually in both cases, you're going to roll off the tread and rolled onto the shoulder and possibly the sidewall of the tire, even if you have the proper air pressure in there. Yeah. Also, when you do that, if it's outside of the specification, the the bead of the tire could unseat itself from the rim and cause an instantaneous air loss situation, which again, you got to go back and look at the rim and make sure it's a proper spec for the size tire that you had on there so that you realize, oh, well, that's what happened. I don't know anybody else that has ever done that in cases that we've worked. Also, one of the things you have to think about also, and no one thinks about this, on pickup trucks, a lot of times you go to the upsize fitments because uh, you want a flotation tire, you got a 15 inches original equipment, you want to go to a 20 inch, you got a 17 inch, you want to go to a 20 or 24. Now you got all this extra unsprung weight that you've got to stop on that vehicle, but you don't change the rotor or the brake caliper to compensate for this extra stopping power. And now you're wondering why your stopping distances are longer than they should have been.
0: Okay, so listen. We had some other follow up questions, but, I, but I'm just going off script here because <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm
1: ready to just wad up the other questions, throw them away. Yeah. Let's go down this rabbit right. hole.
0: So I, I'm glad you brought this up because we we just went to a class to to determine well to become certified to use the equipment to do drag factor testing between the the tire and the roadway, and so I asked the question in the class, and I, I didn't get a real clear answer, and so I'm curious to get your take on this. So. A, you know, the, the braking system, while important, my, my personal thought is not going to be as important as the tire system when it comes to stopping. Because once a rotor or once, you're, once your caliper and your pistons, it doesn't matter if you have a two-piston caliper or a 10-piston caliper. Once that rotor stops and the wheel locks, a locked wheel is a locked wheel. Now, granted, a Porsche's brakes may lock the wheel faster than, like, let's say, a nineteen ninety. Kia Sonata or Kia Sophia, right? But once both wheels are locked or once both ABS systems are active, isn't it really the tire that's the, that's the big difference between the drag factor? The tire is the only thing
2: that's really the biggest impact to your drag factor
0: numbers. So it has nothing and to do with the braking system of the car. Like, like I said, the, I mean, the, the, the vehicle, braking vehicle system, latency might be a brake, the braking system is a part of that
2: uh, that calculation, but a small percentage of that calculation. The yeah. tire itself is a huge part of that calculation. So let me ask you
1: this, TJ, just real quick. So would you agree or disagree? And, and and I'll let you continue on. The the braking system is 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 very important up to the point of threshold. Once you achieve threshold braking, into to Eric, what you were saying, the ABS kicks in or the locked wheel kicks in. At that point, from threshold moving forward, it, barring any failure in a line blowing out or a brake line failure or something like that, it now becomes a tire taking 90% or more of the, uh, of the importance value.
2: That is correct. The way that you de- that the way that they test uh tires in any braking any any lock braking system is based on a peak skid uh calculation. Yeah, so the tire has traction up to its peak and then it loses traction it skids and then the, the brakes release and then they re-engage. Uh, but it happens many times per second, microseconds.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh
2: if you've got a tire with the wrong air pressure or a tire with too much air. And this happens a lot uh, with too much air on uh, hybrid vehicles. Those guys and women actually over-inflate those tires trying to get b- more miles per gallon. And are
0: stealing my next question. You're stealing my next question, man.
1: <laughs> Keep going. Keep going, DJ. <laughs> it,
2: it doesn't help them. They may get a half point two five to 0.45 miles per gallon increased fuel economy, but in the wet, you almost got no stopping power, and, uh, and when you're turning, you're going to have a whole lot more uh, friction loss because you've lost your footprint on the ground. So, But to go back to your original question, does the tire, how much of effect on actual vehicle braking is, is the tire? Uh, a ton. And if you're not looking at the tire and those factors, you, your numbers are going to be off, and, and then you're going to go up against a real tire expert, and you're going to get yourself sliced and diced pretty well.
0: I just, cause I feel like as I, as I'm thinking back on other recon reports and I know like typically like when we go out and we do our inspections and take photos, I mean, I'll probably come in with easily 150 photos of just the tires because that's always been kind of my thought is I'm like, this is kind of the important part. Like this is where the, the car meets the road and uh, you know, but think back Phil on like some of these recon cases and how important this is, how many times are tires even mentioned? in a lot of these recon reports that we review. Yeah. Right, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, none, never. (laughs) You You know,
1: it begs the the question, and TJ, I'd like to put it out to you. Um, There's a lot of drag factor testing that goes on out there, but, um, you know, and it produces ranges of values and so on, but at the end of the day, the condition of the vehicle involved in the collision, if you have underinflated tires or overinflated tires or what have you, your drag factors that you're using may not be within that range. That car may not be producing within the range of tests that you're commonly using.
2: Your calculations will be off. There's no If, if it's a wet day, they're guaranteed to be off. I'm going to know they're off before I show up. Yeah. If it's a dry day, I still know they're going to be off because you change changed the, the footprint from optimal to less than optimal. Got so also, also, the type of tire that you're using has a lot of uh, effect on how rapidly you brake. So if you were to compare an MT, a mud tire, braking distance to the distance of an ultra high performance sports car tire, the sports car tire would have a whole lot more friction depending also on on tread w- pattern width and 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 the the design of the tread pattern. but because of the way it 's designed and the compounds that are used it 's going to stop a lot more quickly if you were able to test them on the same vehicle so one of the things that we 're doing right now is to get a variation of different categories, road surfaces. And wet and dry skid factors that we can give to you guys, so that you can use those to get more realistic calculations. And if your drag skid is t- your drag sled is ten years old, your numbers are off anyway, because the whole composition of the compound of the rubber that you're using is now irrelevant. You've got to get a tire with a more modern tread pattern and compound, so that your drag factors aren't off.
0: Yeah. Man, you know, so let me ask you this, because we did, we did some testing up here and like our, our crash team that I'm part of, we love to, to test. And so we went out and we, we ran multiple, multiple brake tests, same car, same brake setup, same tires. We just changed the air pressure because we wanted to see what effect it had. And so we ran it. We, we put them exactly to the tire pressure indicated on the inside of the door of a car. Then we did exactly the tire pressure on the sidewall of the tires. Then we overinflated the tires by 10% because that's what everybody's dad told them to do, right? That's what my dad told me to do. Oh, overinflate your tires by 10%. Um, and then we ran them down to like 10 PSI. And we, we braked on all the different services with all these different air pressures. And the worst performing braking was when we had it inflated to what's on the label on the inside of the door. Yeah, let me explain why. Uh, tire pressures, people look
2: at the door placard as a recommended tire pressure. That's a good starting, starting point, good starting point. Then they look at, some people even look at what's on the sidewall of the tire on a passenger car tire could be 51 on a light truck. It could be 80 PSI or 90, uh, depending on the tire. And some of them inflate it to whatever is max on the tire. Well, that is not the proper way to inflate your
0: tire. Dang, now i got to go check my truck tires outside.
1: (laughs) You don't have to check yours outside. You need to go to the body shop. Right, yeah. (laughs)
0: That's just salt in the wound, Phil. Yeah.
2: So uh, going back to Phil's uh, field of expertise, uh, the best way to determine what your air pressure should be on any vehicle, motorcycle, passenger car, light truck, commercial vehicle, farm tractor, one of those big dump trucks that haul gravel in a, in a mining pit, is to weigh each wheel position and then look up the size of the tire and the load that's on that tire. And then that load and the type of construction and the size of the tire determine what air pressure should be in that tire. Nobody, unfortunately, uses that. That, what you see on that door placard is a good estimate based on what the automotive people and the tire manufacturers are estimating the type of load that you're gonna have on the tires. That's why sometimes when you have a pickup truck and you look in a glove box, they may have one, and the European car dealers do a great job of this. On my BMW, on that on that door placard, there's four or five different air pressure recommendations based on how many people are in the car and whether you have luggage in the car. That's the right way to do it. But if you're not sure, you can always weigh the vehicle. If you can't weigh it by by wheel location, weigh it by axle, get that gross vehicle weight. You can actually get in contact with me. And all I need to know is not just the size. I need to know the construction. I need to know if it's a passenger or a light truck or an extra load or Eurometric Euro metric or Euro commercial tire, which yeah. we don't have time to even get in right now. <laughs> And, and then I need to know what the load is, and I can tell you to the PSI what pressure you need, you should have had or need to have in those tires. And that's one of the things we look for at the scene of an accident. And we can actually reverse engineer and say we look at the – we get access to the vehicle six months later. We can actually reverse engineer the air pressure once we take it and tell you what the air pressure was on the day – of the accident based on ambient temperature and what air pressure we read on the day we got there.
1: That's oh, wild. That's, and that's
0: wild. You know, and, and that's, so, you know, we had talked briefly last week when I was geeking out about the whole formula one thing. And, uh, and that's really, that's what's brought on my whole air pressure and braking and everything else because I did, you know, during qualifying, I saw them the one day and they were out taking the temperature of the asphalt in the ambient temperature in the air. And they said, because the, the basically, you know the amount of the, the hotter the tire gets the more the molecules are gonna spread apart on the air and it's gonna increase the PSI that's inside the tires. And I'm like, that's crazy to think like, and so as the cars are coming in for a tire change, even they go out and they retake the temperature of the asphalt and the air and everything. And they reset the PSI inside the new tires. And I'm like, that's an extreme case. But that's wild that it makes that big of a difference
2: on the tire. A half a PSI per tire makes a huge difference at the level of a Formula One car. And those tires that are on those vehicles are designed not only by the track, but by the individual driver and by the wheel position.
1: Mm -hmm. Wow.
2: So you could have two drivers on the same team and have – very different tires. Now everything's homologated and it's not as detailed, which is disappointing to a real tire guy. And you get, you know, soft, medium, hard, which is kind of sucks a little bit, but back in the day of Bridgestone, we used to spend
0: a lot more time developing those tires. So I guess, let me ask you this then. So what should we be looking for at the scene when guys go out to the scene? Like what's, Oh man, what should be looked for at the scene? Oh, wow. Uh, I've got a book coming out next
2: month. Oh, yeah, that's right. Uh, That is called the Essential Tire Guide. It's got some charts in there that show you what to do and how to do it, and you can actually copy those charts and use those on the scene. But there are certain things you need to collect at the scene of the accident on every tire, whether you know you're going to need an expert or not. You need to collect the brand, the tire pattern, which the brand would be like a Michelin, and the tire pattern would be like an LX4. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to collect the complete size. If it's a 265, 75, 16, I know that's not all that was on there. You got to put the LT or the P or the ST if it's a trailer, because that makes a difference. Because if you look on a trailer, especially on the tow behind, like when you tow your motorcycle in, they never have the right tire on there. It's never an ST. It's an LT, which is the wrong tire. And we don't have time to get into the differences, but it's the wrong freaking tire or even on an RV. So I need to know what tire that was. And at the end, the load index. The first part of the load index is going to be one to three numbers. It'll be like a one or a one hundred or one up to one from zip from one to one fifty. And that correlates to maximum load carrying capacity. And then on a passenger, you'll have a letter up to a bracketed Y, which are for sustained speeds over 186 miles an hour. Then I need to know what the tread depth, I need to know what the air pressure is. I need to know if it had an air cap, a, a valve cap on it. I cannot tell you how important the, the if to notate whether the valve cap was on there.
1: Dang, because I if just, you
2: don't, and it's an empty, lost the guy went the muddy, thing. and he's going to get mud and sand down in that valve. It's not going to see properly. The tire's going to lose air. It's going to over-deflect heat up and fail. So the, the the root cause analysis of a failure like that could have been because the guy didn't have the freaking air cap on. It's important to notate that stuff. So next thing I need is the, is the tread depth. And I'd like you to take it across the tread at a minimum at the DOT. If the DOT is on the ground, take it in a, at another position. But I need to, I need to know what that position was. But best case scenario, you take it Starting at the DOT, you take it there, then you take it at 120 degrees and 240 degrees in those different spots, because if there's a brake lock or something like that, you'll catch that, and you'll also be able to tell if there's any irregular wear or shoulder edge wear, especially on a commercial truck tire, you can look at irregular wear and that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, how many you see that? <laughs> you yeah, very rarely you find one that's that's wearing correctly, yeah, you right? Very rarely.
0: Well, all the trucks that we get up here, because we, we're in you know the big steel part of the town up here so all the trucks we get actually have cords showing through their oh, <laughs> through their treads. so um yeah yeah i got it, a little uh,
2: throw up in my mouth just then
0: oh my <laughs> god dude, you'd be amazed. i mean i dude i've seen s- cords showing on steer axles i mean unbelievable <laughs> how unsafe it is and uh yep. so yeah. let me ask you this then so th- we just did a show on cdrs the the crash data retrieval systems inside of cars mm-hmm. and a lot of the cdrs now are starting to report air pressure from the tires so if i have it in the cdr am i good or still take it during the inspection i don't
2: care if santa claus brought you the air pressure (laughs) you gotta bend a knee now what about the easter bunny easter bunny okay jesus christ if you (laughs) you bend a knee and take a air pressure gauge that you have checked against a master gauge at some tire dealer somewhere to ensure that you're not two or three or 10 psi off if you got one of those tire pressure gauges that are five or ten years old get freaking rid of that thing and get your new tire pressure gauge and that's everyone that can hear this because i know your gauges are 100 years old but you need to check the air pressure in each tire and document it i will also need to know The day that you checked it, what the weather was like and what the ambient temperature was. There's a spot on that form in that book that will be out next month that we're uh, uh, publishing to put that on there because we need that in case we need to do a reverse calculation to determine what the air pressure was on the date of the accident.
0: Okay. And so my my kind of so our our, believe it or not, we're actually running up uh, towards our clock on this show already. Covered Right. I I know having
1: fun, man.
0: Right. It's ridiculous. But no, so I but I I wanted to get in a couple extra questions because I think we're like on a roll. So my one question is, what tools do I need to add to my kit to to be able to uh, to go out here and inspect tires properly? Like what you need some chalk.
2: Okay. You need some chalk so that you can write on the tire. Also, chalk is healthy and handy to highlight the DOT. So when you take the photograph, it's easier to read. You can't take the photograph of a DOT and have it easy to read without highlighting it with chalk. I think so I just any- saw
0: Shameless Plug, and we're going to try and get him on the show. I saw Kent Boots do that. He just like yeah, the chalk to. on the tire, and I was like, you, amazing. You have to. That's in the book as well. Yeah. To highlight
2: it with chalk. You need an air pressure gauge and you need a way of documenting all the other information. You also have to take air pressure and tread depths on all the tires on the vehicle. Even if the one that blew out has your attention, I need the information on the other tires. Say that the tire should have had 50 PSI. You check the other three. And they've got twenty-two PSI, what are the odds that the one that blew out had twenty-two PSI? Well, if you don't check the other tires on the vehicle, the other eight or the other ten tires on the vehicle, you will not know that.
0: Yeah. Okay. So and then so let me ask you this then, because we we keep referencing the book, uh, the the new book, the short one that's coming out here in November. What's its title? It
2: is called The Essential Tire Guide for Accident Reconstruction How to uh, capture and document essential tire data.
0: And and where are people going to be able to buy this book at? Is it going to be available on Amazon? or?
2: I will, I as soon as I get my ISN number, I'll have it everywhere. I'll even put on Facebook and all my social media that the book is out and it's available. It's meant to be a quick reference guide. It's only, I think, 26, 27 pages. It's also got essential information like the phone numbers to call the tire manufacturers in there. Uh, It's got the paperwork. It's got an example of a protocol letter and the protocol letter is very important. Never, ever under any circumstances, remove a tire from a vehicle without the input of the attorney. Definitely don't take it off the rim. Usually you will need a protocol letter and you can actually print that one or scan it and have the attorneys approve it. And it tells what you should do. Always, if you have a tire shipped to you, document you opening the box on that tire. But if you can videotape it, that's even better. Everybody's got a cell phone, you got a way to document that.
0: Yeah. I know Phil's already thinking now when he gets to the next crash for his police department, he's going to take all the tires off and switch their locations on the cart. No, I'm just kidding.
2: That'd be kind of cool because when I'm up there, say, TJ, can you tell me where these tires came right, from? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> try- it's yeah. almost like the Who Was Driving
0: case, but with <laughs>
2: tires. <laughs> but you literally use all five senses to determine what happened to a tire. You smell, I've seen where they've been laid into a petroleum product and they swole. Uh, you use sight, you got to look at it, sound if you hear it leaking air, touch. And there is a certain way to touch a tire. To be a real tire whisperer, you got to put your hands on the tread to determine what happened. It's and last, a real, always, it's a
0: real gentle,
2: soft, and slow it's, touch. It's a gentle caress. <laughs> a gentle caress. And then finally, there's taste. If you taste a tire, they all taste like chicken.
0: <laughs> so if i get one that's like roast beef is that a problem <laughs> yeah that's the wrong compound they didn't okay, use right. natural <laughs> synthetic rubber so, yeah. the, uh, so you got the short book coming out here in <laughs> november and then you have the main book coming out next year i think somewhere around like march springtime yeah the short book will actually be out
2: next month around the 15th or so as soon as we get the isbn number we'll have it published and ready to go Okay. Uh, the, the big monster book, the one that has all the calculations and formulas that you need to uh, to calculate vehicle speeds and other information that you have never, ever thought of this. It'll be this interview times a thousand exponentially.
0: Well, that's good, because awesome. we're actually planning on having you back a thousand times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it, it will so cover, you guys will be able to follow along per episode with the book. Uh,
2: it, is, it will be out around March or April of next year. It's called uh, Tire Basics uh, for the Reconstructionist. Uh, I'm going to try to keep it down to 300 pages, but it may be in two volumes if we have to. It will cover motorcycle, passenger, light truck, and commercial tires. So, and I, can't, and then, I
0: can't stress enough. Like, I can just I can see the value for attorneys to have this book. Mm-hmm. Also, uh,
2: attorneys don't know anything. And what, what, one of the things that we do is coach the attorneys on what questions to ask for depositions. And we do a flow chart and say, here are some possible answers. And here's some follow up questions. And they are prepared. You can tell their level of confidence when they walk into that room for that deposition. They are ready to rip you a new hide.
0: Yeah. I tell you what, and actually, so we have an episode coming up in the future um, that's just talking all about deposing experts. And so if you're okay with it, I'll, sh- I'll shoot you the dates on it. But man, because I, I think we're actually doing it as a round table was the latest discussion I had with like three or four attorneys, me, Phil, man, I would love to get you in on that.
2: Oh, and, yeah. Uh, I, I'd, I'd love to do that because there are some pertinent questions that you should ask depending on what was on the police report and what happened during the accident and like I said each case is different and the case itself should determine what questions that the attorney is going to ask whoever they're deposing
0: yeah man such great information and it and it's it it that amazing. our shows are only 30 minutes um, yeah. I, I think like i said I, we could easily go another 5 or 6 episodes easily um, now, what do you got man final thoughts
1: and real quick, you know, every I was told by a wise person, uh, my grandfather, many decades ago, everything in life is cyclic. So let's take this episode and cyclic back to the the first episode. TJ, would you agree or disagree? You know, it, it's... Uh, Sounds like he's questioning you on the stand. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, it's apparent, and, and you said it right out of the gate, slow down, do it right, gather the information even if you don't know what to do with the information yet, gather it because there is an expert such as yourself. Uh, if we're talking about tires that can take that information and, and produce very useful results with it. Uh, it may be some other component of your investigation where there may be another expert, but at the end of the day, slow down. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing it right. Um, Cause it, to, to like Eric says at the end of every episode, at the end of the day, it, it's it's about the client, and that's who we're doing all this for. So, yeah.
2: I, I have to agree with you one thousand percent. Slow the crap down. Dot the eyes, cross. One of the first things that I say, and I don't know if you guys have had a chance to be in of any of our training classes, but the very first thing I say when I walk into the classroom is if I see you again in the courtroom or in a deposition and you're sitting on the other side of the room, I'm going to tear you a new anus. Yeah. That is the very first thing that I say, because what you just said does not happen. One of the things about the, the book that's going to be out next month is it bullet points each one of those policies and procedures, matter of fact, I've revised it since I sent it to you guys, I have to send you the revised version. Uh, but it, it really step-by-step uh, step tells you what to do and how to do it. And it's actually got examples of what pictures you can take, uh, pictures of the rim and the stamps that are on the rim. Cause you guys have probably never seen that size no. or that load or that pressure mm-hmm. stamp on the rim.
0: That's in that book. So but you know what to so look. Gonna make a truck driver take his rim off the truck next Monday when he's working, waiting for <laughs> it. <laughs> driver, I'm going to need you to take that rim off.
2: <laughs> but there is so much information out there. And like I said, in the first episode, you may think you have a tire expert because of his education, but there's some pertinent questions you need to ask him or her before you decide to spend that
1: money. Yeah. So, final. Know. oh, sorry, go ahead. I had another final thought. I have a lot of final thoughts, but that's all right. (laughs) Um, You know, and and when I'm, when I'm teaching in a class, you know, teaching uh, accident investigation or what have you, you know, one thing I'm always passionate about and I usually either jump up and down when I'm saying it, or I'll yell it loud enough to piss off the neighboring class next door. (laughs) But but I I always tell everybody when you get on the scene, if all of your victims are gone your vehicles and your evidence is absolutely screaming at you at the top of its lungs. Look at me. Look at me. Guys do it. That's all I know, can the, say. There Look is no,
2: it. there is no excuse for not taking as many pictures as your finger can snap. And if you've taken a hundred pictures and if you wondering if you had enough, that means you got to take some more. And take pictures of things that are obvious and always take pictures of things that are not obvious at all. Uh, I've had people
1: ask me that. Why did you take a picture of that? Honestly, I don't know, but I can see it. So I took a picture of it. Yeah. If you can see it, it needs to
2: be documented. If you're going to hire an expert like me, I am going to be supremely dependent on seeing the pictures that were taken. At the scene so that when I listen to what the tire is telling me as the tire is slowly whispering in my ear, I can correlate that to the story that you're telling, which is one of the reasons why we work very closely with the reconstructionist.
0: Yeah. Outstanding. Here's my, my final thought that I just really want to impart, especially after just, just learning. so I, I've learned more in two days than, than I have <laughs> oh my God, in, in forever. Um, is this really goes into the stay in your lane that, that me and Phil always preach about and what our book's about, you know, stay in your lane. And up until this point, you know, I thought coming through recon training, because we talk about tires and stuff like that. I thought we were pretty good on tires. Um, if I really needed something, I would have called an engineer and you know, whatnot, but it's, it's this whole stay in your lane thing. And, and again, we're, we're not picking on, on engineers. Cause I know you, you know, you pointed out some of the stuff, the differences and everything like that. And it's, it's not about that. Everybody has their place. Engineers have their place in yes. investigating crashes. Reconstructionists have their place. Tire experts, have their place. And so it, it now is becoming like this, almost like this nice little triangle. I was going to say a circle. And then Phil is going to probably punch me in the face. Cause he'd be like three vertices, idiot. So, <laughs> um, but uh, you know, so it, it's becoming this nice little triangle now where like you're reconstructionist, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong. Are your at scene guys? We're the ones that that have the expertise, the hands on experience, being yes. on crash scenes, yes. can interpret the gouges in the road, the the all the markings, take the measurements. Like that's that's our wheelhouse, right? Yep. And then the engineers. Can look at the design of the vehicle, you know, was a vibration with the braking systems or the steering systems and, and, you know, did the glass break or how it broke and like that's their wheelhouse, you know, and how the airbags deployed and things like that. And then you got your tire experts that can come in and tell you like, man, look, because for us calculating speed that's critical to know how the tires performed, how they would have performed on that surface. Were they under over inflated? What, what reactor, what difference would that have made in our calculations? And I'm just, I'm sitting here thinking now, and I'm like, yeah, you're going to spend some money, but you've got that big limits case out there. Why wouldn't you team all three of these experts up and just dominate anybody's case that comes at you? That is the same. Go ahead, Phil. No, go ahead,
2: TJ. Go ahead. That is the secret sauce. Period. Yeah. We, I had one of my guys ask me. He said, TJ, why don't we do more reconstruction stuff? I, and what I told him was, Have you seen what we did to people? And the deposition and in our report, he said, yeah, I said, that's what would happen to us if we stepped outside of our lane.
0: Right. Just tell him, be like, we don't do reconstructions for the same reason Eric and Phil don't do tire expert stuff.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And and I I always oftentimes in classes, I'll, I'll make stupid little You know, references or analogies, whatnot. And I always, one of the ones I used in the last class was, you know, how many people in the classroom here have baked a cake? You know, and you get a few raise their hand. I'll be like, okay, so when you baked your cake, did you take the egg out of the refrigerator, crack it in a a bowl, and then put the bowl in the oven and try and expect that the cake was (laughs) no? Then why the hell are you claiming that you're going to be the end all be all and be able to cover everything in accident investigation? Know what your limitations are work within your limitations and that's where a lot of experts whether it's reconstruction whether it's this whether it's that get themselves in trouble because they know enough to get to be dangerous to yep. themselves and they, and they want to appear more i guess valuable than what they really are and they step outside that lane and then they just get smoked by the first car coming
2: they they do and when they run across us they real like i said before they realize quite quickly they have overstepped their bounds when yeah. we dump out of uh, a bunch of information. And one of the other things that I think we mentioned with the attorneys, with your expert, again, how many publications do you have out there? We've got, this will be our second publication, our technical publications. We're going to have a third coming out very soon. And then even after that, we're going to focus on off road and mining tires and stuff like that and put out publications on that stuff as well. Yeah. So if you've got an expert who's only read stuff, <laughs> and if he doesn't have any white papers or any publications it's probably some books to move on
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, i mean and and it, it, be honest you know when, when when you when you're passionate about something it's tough to admit that that's beyond your scope or your training yes. and expertise you know because we all want to help and we all want to you know i think i know enough to be able to get the answer but it, it really just comes down to saying hmm that's beyond me. I, I I can get you this far, but I know someone that can take you to the next step.
2: Yeah, I, I, we even refer people. We just don't. Yeah. We just don't step outside of our wheelhouse because that is not my expertise. And it's not what my guys were trained on. We're tire guys. That's what we stay with. You got a tire. Somebody on my staff can handle it, but we don't step outside of that bounds.
0: Yeah. So, guys, and like I said, you know, again, I apologize. If this show went long, but I think it was worth it. I think it was <laughs> totally like worth absolutely. it to go along
1: and I like about uh, like have right four more like this.
0: Yeah, all of our listeners right now are sitting in their cars at work in the parking lot listening to the rest of the show. Um, They're all late for work. Yeah, but guys, so the 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 couple things I I want to stress before we roll is you know remember TJ's books are coming out. They're going to be available, I'm sure, on Amazon or on his website. Um, If you guys have tire questions, uh, make sure that you're going to reach either reach out to him or reach out to us and we're going to get you in contact with him. Um, Like I said, we're going to put his contact info on episode number 10's link and also on this episode's link and his contact info uh, direct link to his website will be on Crash Tech's website. So you guys can get all
2: phone calls and inquiries are free.
0: Right? That's amazing. So you can talk to a reconstructionist for free, talk to a tire guy for free. I, I don't know what more you guys want from us. Because <laughs> so, uh, we're not doing the casework for free, but the, the initial yeah, no, call, no, no. you're right, but the, but the consult definitely is going to be free. Well, everyone, that's going to wrap it up for the day. As always, jump over to Facebook and make sure you follow and join Crash Tech, the expert angle group. Also, if you want to leave us feedback, have an idea for a show, or would like to be on a future show, head over to Crash Tech, expert and click the link on the right that says contact the show. The form will come up Put anything that you want right in there. If you want more information on expert consulting services or training, visit us online at www.crashtechreconstruction.com. And finally, if you're a PI attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Facebook group. Or if you're a defense attorney, make sure you request to join the Crash Site Defense Facebook group. Neither site contains any ads or spam. It's just a private community that brings experts from all different areas together with attorneys to collaborate or ask questions. So again, guys, thanks for tuning in. And remember, always leave your accident victims better off than you found them because at the end of the day, everything we're doing is for them.